one o'clock hour on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I'm going to try to comb through the mass of text messages that we got when I asked the question, what's the best autograph that you have in your sports collection? The Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. All right, here we go. Smitty from the city said, a Ryan Klesko, si- a Ryan Klesko signed my youth Spalding baseball glove, and it's in all caps, mint condition. Klesko, great athlete to have the signature of. We got a Del Curry and Muggsy signed NBA encyclopedia. That's a great one. Okay. 980 says, I have the worst one. A Bobcats pendant with Kimba, MKG, and Gerald Henderson from a Bobcats event like 10 years ago, LOL. Well, at least you got Kimba. Oh, yeah. That's that's not the worst one. That's a great one. I actually like the bad autographs. Mm. I, I actually like that Tony Hugo ruined my Peyton Manning signed t-shirt. That's what I love. I'm trying to think back in the day. I, I went to Panthers fan days, and I had, the, I guess, the, the picture they would give you, and I got that signed. By a lot of people? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, though, any individual autograph that I've got. Well, you think about that. I'll I'll read some more. 910 said Mike Ditka and Dan Marino. It's a great duo. Oh, yeah. Um, 704 said Dale Earnhardt Sr. signed helmet. Barry Sanders auto helmet. Elway signed football. Kings Mountain Toolman said autograph Pete Rose jersey. That's a good one, especially if it's dirty. You want the dirt on there, right? Yeah. Just sliding into home plate. Is a picture the new autograph, though? Because, like, if you approach a guy, would you rather get an autograph or a picture? I think that that's something that would be interesting to see yeah. what Texas have to say because autographs are cool, but I feel like now with social media, like, I, f- I feel like a picture is the new autograph. Well, it depends on if you're trying to make some Skrilla. What do you you that's might just true. want the autograph yeah, instead of the picture. Straight cash, homie. Uh, dirty rascal. <laughs> uh, we have a Jerry Rice, Lawrence Taylor, UNC, Joe Montana and Steve Young current helmet collection from one of the listeners. Mm. That one's that one's tough to beat. Simon says they texted in. I have a Panthers mini helmet signed by John Beeson, Graham Gano, Greg Olson, and Sir Purr. How do you think it is like when just random Bob Smith and the Sir Purr costume signs the index card? <laughs> <laughs> then Sir signs the helmet. It's like yeah, I've been signing autographs for a while now. How about a John Madden signed index oh, card? Oh, that that to me is the grill. You that, love and, John and, Madden and Hank Aaron. Yeah, those two are hard to beat. We have uh, Joey from Huntersville said Dan Morgan is literally the only autograph I have. We have a George Brett mention. Here's one for Fitty. Seven oh four said they have a ball signed by the entire ninety six ninety seven UNC basketball team that included Dean Smith. Already great. Might be ninety seven ninety eight. Won it at a Rams club raffle at the blue-white game when they were about 10 or 11 years old. And Marcus from Fort Mill wrote in, I have a football signed by Stephen Davis, Mike Minter, and several from the first Super Bowl team. I was the bar manager at the bar they partied at the weekend before the Super Bowl. All right, Marcus. That's a good story for us. You can uh, feel free to text in your best autograph that you have in your collection. 704-570-9610. I apologize if we don't get to all of them. There's a lot. I think Chad, by the way, uh, tweeted at us. He said he has a Muhammad Ali autograph. (sighs) Might be the toughest one. Might be. I would agree. I don't know if there's one that's better than that. But we got some great ones. Hank Aaron was also very good. 704-570-9610. Let's talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers offseason, shall we? The one that we've been celebrating, no matter who they brought aboard. I don't think there was any move they made this year that was criticized. At most, it was polarizing with Miles Sanders. That's the one I go to and say, "Eh, okay, could have done without it, but I'm cool with it. 
he had a great year with Philadelphia last season. But other than that, Wes, I don't think there was any criticized move, and especially when you go to the coaching staff. That's one thing Dan Orlovsky was talking about on NFL Live. He didn't remember a team that would bring in just offensive quality control coach that everyone was like, oh, wow, great hire. All right, we'll bring in Dom Capers. Oh, really? Cool. Jero Averro, great. This is the reaction everybody had nationally or locally. My question to you, who do you think is the biggest single improvement from one position to another that they made? Is it as simple and easy as Matt Rule to Frank Reich? Do you have to put in Steve Wilkes because he eventually got that job over Matt Rule when he was fired? Or do you go somewhere else? What say you? Man, that that is a tough one. I think that it remains to be seen whether Frank Reich is an upgrade over Coach Wilkes. So I'm going to take an incomplete on that one. I think it's an obvious upgrade to uh, when you talk about Matt Rule. But I would say that Ezra Evero. Um, I think that he was the the biggest upgrade. This guy comes in touted as a head coach in waiting, and he's already looked at as one of the great defensive coordinators in the game. So I think that for many, maybe it was a surprise for the Panthers to be able to get him. So I would go at the defensive coordinator spot so that he can take this defense from, you know, low teens, 20s to up into the upper echelon. I don't think Phil Snow is bad. I actually liked him. I think there was some Brian Burns in coverage a little bit too much, at least at the very beginning. Um, And then that started to fix itself. People were a little frustrated with the way that he used Jeremy Chin. They wanted to see him closer to the line of scrimmage. We'll see if that is different under Averro. I think for me, it's Ben McAdoo to whoever the offensive coordinator is, whether you want to put Thomas Brown, who's the literal OC, or if you want to put Frank Reich there because he's still the play caller. I didn't even hate Ben McAdoo. I know, right? Like he wasn't great by any means, but it's just so it's just so easy. This is one of the things I hate about, you know, criticizing an offensive play caller. It's when everybody's like, run the ball more. Oh, I saw on the box score that you only ran it ten times. We should run it more. But you have to go back and look at the context as to why. Because then you would be criticizing if they ran the football more. If it's third and seven, you're not gonna run that football. And so if they're not successful on first and second down, and they're third and six or whatever, you got to throw the football in that scenario. So that's why I thought Ben McAdoo, I don't think he was atrocious last year, but I do think you have some really bright offensive minds. Hell, point to any of them, right? Brown, Jim Caldwell, or Frank Reich. You can even go to Josh McCown as far as the QB coach goes, and this is someone that was highly regarded and getting some interviews in NFL circles even before he took this job on. So I think just offensively, think about the explosion in coaching talent. That you go from with Ben McAdoo to Reich, Brown, McCown, Caldwell. I mean, that is, that's night and day. Plus, you hold on to a James Campen and Chris Tabor, who we all really like. I think I go to the offensive side of the ball and maybe even play calling wise, I go from Ben McAdoo to Frank Reich because that's how highly I feel about Reich, especially working with what he did with Indianapolis. They had some good players, but man, think about how much he had to transition year after year. You're talking about a different starting quarterback every season. And when the offensive line was poor, they, all right, we'll just, you know, (laughs) this is the thing that's going to be my undoing. But before that, all right, we have Jonathan Taylor. Let's just run it all the time because we have Carson Wentz, who's not all that great, but he was even better with Indianapolis than he was the year prior. So give me Frank Reich being the biggest upgrade in play calling 
compared to Ben McAdoo a year ago. Yeah, and this is going to be the biggest indictment on him now. There are really no excuses for him in this situation. He's got a great young quarterback. He's got a good offensive line. He's got backs. He's been insulated with a lot of good things. I, I talk about Bryce Young having a good starter kit. Well, I feel like Frank Reich has it as well as far as coming in here. There are a lot of things in place that a first-year head coach would be jealous of as far as already having your franchise quarterback. You had to go get him. And that was your staff's doing. But still, you got your left tackle. You, you've got a, you got a corner. You've got a pass rusher. So there's a lot there for you to get started and have some success. So it's completely up to him and what he does at this point if he is going to be truly uh, one of the notable head coaches in the NFL. Now, you went with Jero Averro, the defensive coordinator coming over from Denver, now the D.C. here in Carolina. Here's Peter Hansen discussing what makes Jero Averro such a unique coordinator. I think just the way his his brain works is very impressive. How he runs a meeting is very impressive. Um, and to go back to how his brain works, just, just how he uh, basically evaluates an offense and what he likes uh, that we do that can defend that offense. Um, and he, he puts the pieces together in a way that's simple for us, the coaches, to, to sell to the players if we have to do any selling and for simple for the players to execute. Um, I think he really does a great, great job of keeping things simple and practicing what he's actually going to call. Sometimes I like to speculate, Wes. I know you do too. When they're talking about keeping things simple and when they're talking about the change in coaches, I often think of if the remarks are a little bit of a parting shot to the previous coach. Sure. And if there was a problem with what Phil Snow was doing, I think some of the problems that you would hear about, not crazy loud, but some of the problems you would hear about is the fact that it wasn't so simple under Phil Snow, that there were a lot of moving parts. He was, speaking of the word polarizing, I think different people had different opinions on him. I think people disliked Ben McAdoo a lot more than they liked Phil Snow or disliked Phil Snow. But you did hear some things about even Jeremy Chin's dislike. I don't know how much of that's reporting, how much of that's just rumors, but you did hear some of that. And I wonder if Averro can bring in some kind of complicated scheme for the opposition, but simple scheme for anybody running it. And I wonder if this is going to be something that helps out Brian Burns reach an all-pro level. I wonder if J.C. Horn can even take another step up. I wonder if having so many different pieces that are Jeremy Chin, Von Bell, Xavier... uh, um, excuse me, I can't, not Xavier, Xavier Rhodes. Woods. I'm, who, who am I thinking? Or, or, goodness gracious, the other safety. I'll look him up in a second. Well, I don't know why. I'm <laughs> not Xavier man, Rhodes on the name. So when we're talking about all talking of, about Xavier Woods? Yes, yeah, Xavier Woods. Yeah, Thank I said you. Woods. I, I was thinking Rhodes. Sorry, Xavier yeah. Woods. Rhodes, Woods, they sound the same. Yeah, there, there you go. I don't, goodness gracious, I couldn't think of the name at all. But when you're talking about all these multiple pieces, I am excited to see what Averro is going to do with that. And I do think there is this marriage of going out and getting the right personnel for the coaches that they have in place. And I love seeing everybody on the same page in Scott Fitterer and what you have with all of these coaches. Yeah, and so it's going to come down to with Averro, and they, they can talk about it being simple and all these different things. At the end of the day, they are changing scheme, but mm-hmm. it's going to come down to the basics. We talked about the Panthers being in the bottom rungs of the league when you talk about sacks per game. And we know what this secondary looks like if J.C. Horn is not a part of it. And defense is all about can you get after the quarterback, can you cover? Also, you do have to stop the run. But for this team, that's that's the biggest indicators of 
if they're going to get better or not. And I think Averro, he'll definitely have somewhat a role in that. And I think he's already making an impact with the guys already because just the Jeremy, Jeremy Chen thing alone kind of shows you a difference between Phil Snow and mm-hmm. Evero because if you have a guy and you see what he did as a rookie that made him the most successful, why would you want to put him in a position that he won't like and he's not going to be successful? So you know Evero's going to automatically come in and they've already been talking about doing that. And I think that's the biggest indicator to let you know how flexible he's going to be on defense and how much stuff he wants to be able to do to make them more dynamic. Well, and and one thing before we go to break, Mina Kimes, when we played that soundbite, I believe a couple of days ago, she talked about just as a, just as a, you know, a phrase, just kind of in parentheses, Avero might get a head coaching job sooner rather than later, maybe even next year. What I like about what they did this offseason is that they built in insurance in case any one of these guys leaves, right? So you build a good foundation, but you have a Dom Capers to help make that transition easier to whoever is going to be the defensive coordinator. Offensively, there's a billion names that we can go to. Even a Deuce Staley, who has been rumored to be a potential offensive coordinator hire for other teams, that guy's on that side. I, I think, I know we've talked about overloading Bryce Young with too much information about how you're worried, okay, you have this strategy, you have that strategy. I, I still look at that as not only not a detriment, but a benefit, because if some of these guys go, such is the nature of turnover in the NFL, you're going to have so many different coaches here still to help that transition with other new ideas that you might be bringing in and defensively too, with some bright minds on that side. That's what I love particularly, right? Not only are you getting great names, but transitions can be easier when some of these guys get better jobs. It could be, or it could be worse. I mean, these are guys that you never (laughs) know what it could be until you get into the big chin. So that's the thing as well. I do think there's good depth and I do think they have the guys that, that if, people leave, they'll be able to step up and do uh, quality work, but you never know until you know. Half full or half empty? Which one are you going with? I'm going half full. That's the way I choose. I'll go half full. I choose. I'll go half full. To be positive in this conversation piece. All right. I had Sam Vecini on the Locked on Hornets podcast alongside Doug Branson yesterday. We're going to go into some Charlotte Hornets number two overall pick talk. Who does Sam Vecini think charlotte should take at number two we'll talk about that coming up next on wes and walker you're listening to sports radio 92.7 wfnz mcdonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the mccrispy juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah they know what they're doing in fact we can honestly say they're not new to chicken they're true to chicken the McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's like getting a whole bunch of letters in where the it looks like a the mail room at the Empire State Building right now with all the texts that we're getting, trying to find all the good ones and read those on the air. Here's a great one from DJ Skinner. DJ Skinner said, I have a 1994 Final Four shirt I won for going 12 for 12 in a three-point shootout. 12 for 12? That's impressive. DJ, you need to be signing up and playing for the Hornets. 
Did that at the fan appreciation night uptown in Charlotte, and they got the autograph from Roy Williams, PJ Carlissimo, and Pete Gillen that happened to be standing there. So that's a pretty good one. 336 said, I won, uh, this is Goodwill Sean, by the way, I won at a Buffalo Wild Wings an Armani Edwards autographed rookie card as an app grad. I cherish it, LOL. Uh, Wes C, first time texting in, daily listener, love WFNZ, and we appreciate you, Wes. I have a Muhammad Ali autograph on an ice cream parlor receipt from Midtown Manhattan back in the 70s. Wow. My grandfather and dad walked into the ice cream shop, and there was the champ eating a sundae. Pretty good. Muhammad Ali signing an ice cream receipt. I mean, the memory alone, just watching him eat ice cream, <laughs> you just I would see think him. would be fantastic. <laughs> you just wanted to take a picture with him eating the sundae right. instead of just have the I mean, how dope is that? Because you like to see these guys be humanized yeah. because especially a guy like that, larger than life, mm-hmm. seeing him and enjoying an ice cream sundae, that had to be pretty cool. He gets sprinkles just like I do. <laughs> sure. He's the same as me, Muhammad <laughs> Ali. Uh, M-Dog wrote, people forget... Um, oh, just speaking of a little bit of the conversation we were having yesterday, or not yesterday, last segment. M Dog said people forget they moved Jeremy Chin to safety because he took so many hits as a rookie and sat out two games. Be careful what you wish for. Wanting to move him closer to the line of scrimmage. Does that make sense to you? Kind of dissecting that tweet no. or text? No. Okay. Fair enough. Because you, you don't have to. <laughs> they, you still could have taken the opportunity to give him chances to make your defense a little bit more exotic and give him more opportunities to do that if you know that mm-hmm. that's. His most successful role. Um, we have a Ronald Acuna Jr. signed baseball. Roger Staubach autographed football. Tubby Smith autographed championship basketball. Scrolling, scrolling for some more. Oh, this is a good one from Keith and Indian Trail. Have a few. The bad autograph I have is a ball of Brandon Knight from the second year of the Bobcats. The good cool. autograph they have is a Panthers mini helmet with Stephen Davis' signature on it. And Deshaun Watson from the Super Bowl year. Okay. And the best one, Dean Smith autographed a Diet Pepsi Tournament of Champions program. He sent the picture of That's the program lit. and it is completely lit. It's an old school logo. I mean old school Diet Pepsi Tournament of Champions. Diet Pepsi Woo! Tournament of Champions. That one's tough, man. That one is real tough. Fifteen year listener also wrote in. They got a Stonecrest Target receipt signed by Moose and Muhammad. So I guess at that point, man, sometimes you never know where you're going to run into guys. So you just have to use whatever Mm -hmm. is near you. I wonder when people get that, how much do they think it's going to be worth? Or is it just a personal memento? You just need to memorize the moment. The most random one I had, I remember because I was a big Boston College uh, fan when they had Craig Smith, Jared Dudley, Tyrese Rice. I mean, I pulled for Carolina. I just liked that team. And I saw Jared Dudley in an Indianapolis Fridays one time. And I just had to go up to him and be like, hey, man, love your game. Shook his hand. Didn't ask for an autograph and just walked out. So I don't know if I should have gotten the Fridays receipt signed by a Jared Dudley. You should have. (laughs) I just wanted to say, hey, man. Love what happened game. to him? Oh, he's on the bench. Well, in he the played NBA, for right? 25 years. No, but I was saying that he was had a uh, burgeoning career as, a, as an analyst. He was on the come up in that. I don't know. Maybe he did. I didn't know that. Yeah, but I just know he played forever. Yeah, they would have him on the uh, debate shows and stuff like that coming in, and I thought he was going to do that. But I think he's on an NBA bench as an assistant. He might be. Yeah. Former Bobcat, by the way, Jared Dudley, just to let you know. And last one, when you were talking about do you want an autograph or do you want a picture, Logo704 wrote in, I'm a photographer. I'll get the picture of a celebrity and then hope to see them again to get it signed. All right. Okay, that's one that's way to go strategy. about it. They said, I got DJ Envy, Angela Yee, and Dougie Fresh so far. 
That's a pretty nice list. Yeah, and, and real quick, Jared Dudley's an assistant for the Dallas Mavericks. Okay, there you go. Jared Dudley out there coaching in the NBA. Why were you laughing, Fiddy? Is it something that you can share? So many times, it's, it's like 50-50. Uh, no, it was a text. That okay. I'll read to you off the air. By the way, mm-hmm. how could you like a Boston College team that terrorized us? Well, because it was only one player. Because it was Tyrese Rice. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I like Dudley because they were awesome. I picked that team to win the championship that year, and I believe they got bounced in the round thirty-two. They were like a three seed. Hang on, you picked Boston College. <laughs> They were a three seed. Are we are we going to forget how awesome that team was? You picked Boston College to win the NCAA tournament. We're, we're going to act like we didn't know how awesome that team. I'm kind of on this one. Do you guys not remember watching that squad? They yeah, were but awesome. it, yeah, but it was College. Boston College, though. You guys are telling me the uniforms like alone. Know. The uniforms alone aren't good enough to win the national championship. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but that team was loaded. That team was awesome. Please back me up on the text line. Where are we going? Like this was. Oh six, maybe oh four. Boston College. No, not if not if Rice was there, because he was there in oh eight oh nine. So he would have been. So he would have been younger on that team. Man, Craig Smith, Jared Dudley, Sean Williams, Sean Marshall, Sean Williams was a draft pick in the first round. Y'all are tripping, man. Th- this that team was good. This might be. They lost regional semifinal in. 2005-2006. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. So it was like right there. It was 06. They went 28-8. That team was awesome. No, y'all are wrong. Look, <laughs> eventually they fell. Yes, I know that it's hard when they did the thing of losing in the second round. But that I believe they were a three-seed or a four-seed, right? Um, I don't see the seeding, but I do see the team, though. And yeah, like you said, Tyrese, Tyrese Rice was a young young yeah. guy, though. He only averaged nine points on that team. It was but Craig Smith. Well, still good Dudley, being and, yeah, that young. Said Sean Marshall in that order scoring-wise. Dudley, NBA. Sean Williams, first-round pick. Craig Smith, NBA. No. If you have three NBA players on your squad, I'm not going to hear all this criticism. I'm not going to lie. D- this is worse than me picking Purdue to win it this past year, who lost to a 16 seed. Except it's not because it's they Boston. lost to a 16 College. And it's Purdue. They but, do this all the time. But I mean, Purdue like at least has history and tradition. It's Boston College. I'm sorry. I've got two words for you. Fairly Dickinson. It's I wonder how many people who didn't go to Boston College had them pick that year to win the <laughs> national championship. You know what? It probably wasn't many. But it was me because it was a galaxy brain take, and they still underachieved. I'm telling you right now, man. Plus, they were okay. They had Troy Bell. Troy Bell was nice. Y'all are sleeping on Boston well, College in the early 2000s. No, well, Al Skinner was their coach, right? He was. Yes, yeah. yes he, was. he was. I always got him and Oliver Purnell mixed up when I was first getting into it. Both great coaches that when they got fired from oh, BC. So, oh, so now Clemson, he's a great coach? Now he's a great they coach? They were great coaches, but I was never picking them to win a, a national championship. Please. No, no, I was a great coach. They had three NBA players, and I'm getting clowned for picking Lost them to win the, the championship. <sighs> yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I had belief in the Eagles. Never again. Let's move on because I do have belief in the Hornets to get this number two pick overall right as long as they pick the right option and Scoot Henderson. But I'm here to hear all the arguments, okay? Like, I'm here to give Brandon Miller some love. I'm here to give Scoot Henderson some uh, love. You haven't been Hell. giving Brandon Miller any love. You <laughs> give him more backhanded compliments. Saying, I, I'm here to retire Brandon Miller's jersey number right now, okay? Hang it in the rafters. Spectrum Center, go ahead and showcase it. Now, we did welcome Sam Bassini of The Athletic on the Lockdown Hornets podcast just last night. That video is up on YouTube. It's very easy to find. Just type in Lockdown Hornets. There's a little plug for you. But Sam Bassini of The Athletic, he's great. He's been breaking this stuff down for quite a while. And here is Sam Bassini discussing who he thinks, as of right now, the Charlotte Hornets should select number two. 
Sam Vecini from The Athletic joins us to discuss who the Charlotte Hornets should take. All right, take go ahead and cut it because it's going to be the whole interview if you don't mind. Just go ahead and cut it right riser. now. Yeah, you had, your, you had your arms crossed at me when I was telling you. Like, you were just going to let it play. So, okay, we don't have that soundbite for you. I'll just go ahead and spoil it. Sam Bassini said that the Hornets should select Scoot Henderson. Can you see how long the 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 audio bite is for if Scoot fits with Lamelo? Fitty, how long is that one? Is that one going to be good? It's forty eight seconds. All right, so we can play that one. But he did say he would draft Scoot, and he was talking about how he might be the best guard that he's evaluated in quite a while. And so, so he's got an evaluation. Like, who would you put above him though? And some of the guards that he's evaluated in the last ten years or so. I mean, we don't have to go all time. Okay. But we can go last 10 years. Let me think on that a little bit. Give me all some right. time. Oh, Lonzo? Who? Oh, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. Ball. Lonzo Ball was good. He De'Aaron had the, Fox? He had the size. Not De'Aaron. Because if we're just going to do the same thing with the shooting, right? Like, De'Aaron Fox still isn't Fox a great quicker, shooter. though. Uh, but not nearly as strong. I don't think nearly as good decision. You're not going to win, Fitty. Like you could bring up anybody. He's gonna. He's ja? gonna have something ja? for you. Yeah, I go John ja Morant. John ja Morant's fair. John ja Morant is real I fair. Ja. And I even said Lonzo was fair. <laughs> you try to say that I'm not gonna win. I just gave you that. Uh, fair. I'm being reasonable. I love when Walker gets so defensive. That voice gets a little high. It starts cracking because you guys aren't reasonable, and I have to be the reasonable one. Let's go to the soundbite with Sam Bassini talking about if Scoot Henderson fits alongside Lamelo Ball. I am personally not worried about the fit at all. I think that they're actually very complementary players. Lamelo Ball is a three and layups, three and dunks, not really dunks all the time, but three and layups, three and at the rim kind of player. He excels in transition. He excels getting to his step back, and he does like to get into the paint and make high-level passing reads. He's also, I don't mean this as a negative at all, but he gets by more on skill. He's more of a finesse player. He's incredibly gifted in terms of his creativity, right? Scoot Henderson is more of like a power athlete kind of player he has a very real scoring mindset he is trying to get downhill he's trying to again much like Lamelo, get out in transition i think they'd really excel in those areas so there's the evaluation on why scoot henderson and Lamelo ball can fit oh i'd go lillard too Ooh, out of weber state d rose well, D Rose. I mean, does, fair. Does well. Does this guy go back to D Rose? Well, well if you're going last ten years, you got to remember Derrick Rose was drafted like oh eight. Maybe yeah. Kemba. So, oh no, Kemba was not that. Kemba was nice. He took him to a chip. Then why didn't he get drafted top five in a week draft? Like, okay, but he Kemba. ended he up being be a great good. player. Yeah, no, he turned out to be great. But yeah. we we can do the whole prospect thing. I'm just. I any, mean, hey, you asked us for names and we gave you names. I wanted good ones though. <laughs> so, so Kemba's not, Kemba, the all-time leading scorer in the your, your beloved Hornets franchise, isn't a good name. Right, Lillard. As a prospect, he wasn't that great. That's why he was. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it was a great story of perseverance for Kemba Walker. Now, for all of you that want Brandon Miller love, I do want to play this from Sam Bassini, who says Brandon Miller is a completely understandable pick at number two. Brandon Miller is a completely reasonable take at number two. If you think he is a genuine like shot creator and like shot hunter and like mismatch, like predator, like in terms of like being able to like you know, hunt out those, uh, uh, those incredible mismatches against small guards on the block or against uh, bigs on the perimeter when he strings them out and ball screens. If you think he is athletic enough to consistently get shots in those uh, capacities, I completely get it. I think having Brandon Miller at number two is an entirely reasonable take. Trey Young. 
Oh no way! Yes, he, was, he led the nation. At what he, he was, was like top five po- in the nation in points and led the nation in assists so, per game. So I mean, if we're doing production stuff, let's go, Scotty Reynolds out of Villanova. Oh no, you're not gonna do that. Scotty Reynolds is a little. Yeah, you're not gonna do that's that. That's a little much. You're not gonna do that. Y'all look at Scotty Reynolds' stats. I, I watched And them. then y'all come back and talk yeah, but to Trey me about Young was how a touted NBA draft prospect that performed nightly that at was, Oklahoma. That was so coveted he was drafted what? Fourth or fifth? <laughs> okay. Johnny Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I loved him. I, I, he sounded, that guy sounded like you, Walker. I he loved, was kind of saying it, but he had a little twinge of, I like Scoot way better in Wes, his see, take. This is what we do. I want to I want to advance the number two pick talk into something where you give an opinion on who you want to take it to. Like, give me something. Who do you want? I take Miller. You no, you haven't I'm said that. I take Miller. I don't. No, you I don't like the, the off the court. Issues, I did. That's what I'm saying. About even but as far as on the court, no. I said as far as on the court, I said he is the big wing that wins in the NBA. That's what I would want. Okay. What do you see him becoming? Because you love Jason Tatum. You voted him MVP this year. I don't year. think he's as ill as Tatum as far as just the the moves and the the combinations of moves that he can put together off the dribble, all that type of stuff. The Paul George comparisons, I feel like, can be somewhat apt. He's not quite as explosive as PG, but when I looked on the footage, the first four or five plays, I saw facials of him banging on people. But uh, just the shooting and and everything that you get with him, I can see the Paul George comparisons being apt. Yeah, if you think the athleticism is good enough, then I get it, right? Like, what you want me to do, man? You want me to lie? But everybody don't have to be a crazy athlete to be a really good NBA player. Well, but that's that's Larry Bird did all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, he was all right, right? Larry Bird was good. You want to debate that I'm not going to have? I'm not going to debate whether Larry Bird was good or not. I I'm just you. saying he wasn't a great athlete, but he was pretty darn good. That's that's O-L-B. true. OLB. That's true. Out of French lick. <laughs> if you think Brandon Miller's Larry Bird, then no power to you. Oh, no. I'm just saying. But yeah, if, if, y'all argue. From a f- pure basketball standpoint, I would take Miller. Because you think he can be a big wing that is close enough to Paul George. Yeah, two-way player. You. He can guard one through four, mm-hmm. shoot the three, and that's what wins more times than not in the NBA, the big wing. Yeah, th- this is the thing, though. I'm not – I know we can joke, right? Like, this is my evaluation of Brandon. I don't think he's athletic, and athletic enough to be the primary wing that people are hoping he can be. I think what happens is you think about the best player you can possibly get is the six nine guy around that height that has a tight enough handle where he can facilitate and do everything. And he can shoot, and he can be the guy that creates his own shot. At the end of the shot clock, this is someone that you can give the basketball to, and he'll bail you out. But if he is that guy, then I need the handle to be a lot tighter, where good defenders aren't just going to steal his cookies. What I also need for him to do is shoot at a little bit higher point. Now, Sam Bassini talked about how he's got that in his bag. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I'm willing to give for Brandon Miller. I think that's teachable, and I even think he can bring that back. He didn't get ripped like that in college. Oh, there was some bad handling. I mean, everybody gets stripped. But, I mean, as far as you acting like he's going to come down to court and just keystone cops getting ripped every time the co- no, down. Every time I, down. How am I acting yeah, like I'm that? I'm exaggerating. But you are like, you're saying with his handle, you're saying that he doesn't have an adequate NBA handle. Like, from what I gather, your take is. You're like, oh, he's going to get his cookies taken a lot because he doesn't have a tight handle. Uh, well, why, why can't I criticize Brandon Miller and it not be like, oh, he's going to get his cookies taken every no, time. No, you said that's what you said, it's and I'm just not saying high end. I'm just saying I didn't see that a lot from him in Alabama. Him getting the ball it's, stolen. It's not him. high end. It's not. 
I think that's fair. Scoot Henderson's is high-end handle. We want to talk about Scoot being a raw, raw player. It's the shooting. That's what it is. Defensively, I think he settles for way too many mid-range jumpers. I think that's fair. I think he needs to be a lot more aggressive. I think people will point to his free throw rate as a problem, but what people don't understand is in the G League, you only get one free throw attempt on any foul shot. So when people want to talk about only four and a half free throw attempts per game, yeah, but that should be going up because you only get one free throw attempt. So that's not an adequate argument to talk about how non-aggressive he is. The mid-range settled jumpers, that is. The three-point shooting, that is. That's something that has to be worked out. If you want to talk about defense, I do think that he needs to not roam as much. But I do think the motor is crazy there, and he's real strong. And we've already talked about the smaller defensive players. Brandon Miller's good at defense right now. I don't think he has the athleticism to be phenomenal at defense like Paul George, who was an explosive athlete. Like, Brandon, Paul George was coming out of Fresno State, so he didn't have this one-year showcase at Alabama that was the number one seed in the tournament. Paul George was an explosive athlete that became that guy, though. Like, I do view Brandon Miller more so as Chris Middleton, who's a good player. So if he's the guy, I expect a couple of all-star appearances from Miller. But I expect all-NBA potential, potential for Scoot Henderson. And that's my breakdown. Was that being too mean to Brandon? No. There you go. I want Scoot. 704 <laughs> Feel free to text in on whatever player you want. Let's go to the Fitty Flash, the second one of the day. It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Wow. Trophy husband said we were playing the game wrong. We had to name Boston College players for you to, to give a different evaluation on that better than Scoot Henderson. I would I draft Jared Dudley first round right now. Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson's still in the NBA. NBA Finals player, by the way, and former Hornet for about three hours. Um, so the Lakers season ended, um, was it Monday night? Was when when they got swept? It was Monday. It's Thursday. LeBron James would like you to know he played with a torn tendon. Oh God! I well, just so a convenient tired. news dump three days after well, his season on. comes to an end. Hold on. There was talk about him getting surgery in the regular season, but it would be a two-month rehabilitation process. This is all. This has been there. Like th- They were talking about him having to go through two-month rehab. You amaze me. LeBron always got to do something to try to steal somebody's thunder. Remember when he got up there after he got smacked by the Warriors with the all of a sudden the the, the hand wrap on and we didn't yeah. see the entire finals? Like, get <laughs> out of here, man. I feel like I'm being ganged up on in my basketball takes. Shout out to Craig Smith. <laughs> Shout out to Scoot Henderson. Shout out to LeBron. More basketball shouts next. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know the sound. It's everybody's favorite segment, Fire or Fizzle. This time, Wes tells you what Boston College basketball player was fire or fizzle. Craig Smith, Wes. 
No, I'm playing. I promise I'm playing. You take this outfit home and you burn it. <laughs> KG, you get out of here. We don't want your presence, KG. No, instead of Boston College players, we're going cookout feel, uh, cookout foods, I should say, for the holiday this weekend. Cookout foods, excited about this topic, and we'll lead off with just a good old-fashioned burger. <laughs> Wes, you tell me, is a burger fire or fizzle? Well, one of the things that signify the start of the summer is when you go out there and get the grill going. You could smell the gas, or for some of you that like to do the electric, but I like the gas, or the charcoal as well. Charcoal's elite. And you get that grilled burger, and it just depends on how you want it. And normally, I'm a guy that likes a burger with a lot of toppings if I get one from a restaurant, but when it comes down to a grilled burger, all you really need is just some cheese and ketchup because the flavor is going to take care of the rest. And so when you talk about the beginning of your summer, you talk about this weekend, arguably the first or second rated item on your list of what you're going to cook is going to be a burger. And it is straight fire. I'm not coming to your cookout if you don't have burgers. I almost feel like we should have summertime going on in the background instead of the fire takes for this. <laughs> do we have the Will Smith summertime instrumental thing? I don't think that we do. But All right. If you're dynamic enough, we'll see if we can bring it up here. Yeah, All right. Might let's fade move, it in. Let's move on to the next one. Steak. That's a little bit high end, but you tell me, Wes. Fire <laughs> Steak is something that I feel a little bit of a conflict with. When you talk about my favorite food, steak is right up there at the top. But when you talk about going to a cookout... I do like grilled steak for sure, but it's not something that I can live, you know, I can't live without when I go to somebody's cookout, even though it is great most of the time. Whether you want to throw that porterhouse on the grill, a New York strip, some sirloin, or you want to cut it into strips, or maybe you want to grill up some meat to make a Philly cheesesteak, perhaps. That sounds delicious that's as good, well. That's a good But when you talk about steak... At your cookout this weekend, it is straight fire. What else did you think I was going to say as the beat changes? Oh, Fiddy, that is dynamic. Look at Fiddy on the ones and twos. Okay. Now it's a cookout. Oh, <laughs> now we need to go through the cookout anthems of all time. Appreciate Fiddy on the ones and twos. Let's move on to the next one. Aside this time for you, Wes, baked beans. Fire or fizzle, you tell me. All right, so baked beans can come in many different ways. You can just do the good old-fashioned bushes and just throw it in a pot and uh, cook that. You can do it that way. Or you can throw it in the oven, and you can add ground beef to it and different seasonings, the cinnamon, and things of that nature. Or you can do it in another way. You can throw the pan in the oven as well, and you can throw some bacon strips on top and cook it until the bacon is well done. But when it comes to me coming to your cookout, one of the staples that I must have, when you're talking about baked beans, it is straight fire. You gotta have the baked beans. It's a staple. It's a great one. I'm glad you went with fire. Oh, Fiddy is shaking his head. You wanted to play KG on that one, Fiddy. No <laughs> baked beans for you? Yeah, no, I think they are straight. You take this outfit home and you burn it. Um, I also got to say, this is the most nervous I've been for a fire fizzle in all time. Why is that? Just because, of, you know, the burgers, the steak, 
The deviled eggs, depending on what he does, this could alter our friendship. Well, I'm telling I think he's nailed it. I think he nailed the take on steak at a cookout. It's fan no one hates steak here, but I want to be able to have the the handheld food and go and party and dance. That's another that's great factor. A burger in my hand and a beer and in the other. I have to be sitting there cutting up a steak. I'm not going to eat a prime rib just going at it straight <laughs> animalistic with one hand. I'm not going to do that. Let's move on to the next one. Another handheld food, by the way, deviled eggs. A retro appetizer that's withstood the test of time. Great hors d'oeuvres. A lot of people like to bring them to parties and cookouts. You talk about the egg yolk and mayonnaise-based filling inside of a hard-boiled egg. Yeah, they can spoil quickly, but they also get eaten up because a lot of people enjoy them. So when it comes to deviled eggs and how I feel about them at a cookout, it is straight... Fizzle, I'm not touching it. Outfit Get it you out of here. I knew this was Don't the one. Want it. I've heard Fiddy's take on this before. He, This is the friendship breaker. Yeah. It's been happening. I know I had one in the chamber when he hated on the baked beans. This is it, Fiddy. Can you be friends with Wes anymore after this? Deviled eggs. It's the greatest side dish at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, at Easter. I don't know if I've ever been to a cookout where they've been provided, but the disrespect of deviled eggs... Cannot be tolerated. Wes and I can have a cookout then because it is a side dish right next to the recycle can where the trash what? can is. That's exactly where you put it. Dump. <laughs> deviled eggs. <laughs> All right. Sorry. 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 If, you're, if you get a little squeezy out there. Uh, <laughs> I got one here. The last one. All right. Potato salad. Fire fizzle, Wes. Potato salad comes in many shapes and forms. When you talk about <laughs> the mayonnaise base or the mustard base, whether you want to put eggs in it. Whether you want to put maybe shrimp in it. My grandmother used to make potato salad with shrimp. Shrimp pasta salad is goaded as well. Yes, yes. So potato salad, when I think about cookouts and all of the things that I want, and many of them have made this list, burgers, baked beans, great chips, probably need to have some Doritos, plain ruffles, plain Lay's. This is a this is a great list, Wes. And then it's you great. talk about potato salad. And when you have it with the baked beans. So what do you think is coming right here? I know what's coming. You know what's coming. Potato salad is straight fire, and you better have it at your cookout. It's the number one side in cookout history. Cut that music off. And I mean it. I mean it. Potato salad, the number one side at a cookout. Is that fair to say? Or baked beans is number one? Uh, Oh, I I would go. Oh, man, that's tough. (laughs) I'd go potato salad. Potato, potato salad, salad tastes so good with everything. You can, I mean, but baked beans are the same. I mean, you can eat good. the potato salad with the burger. You can eat it with the hot dog. You can eat it. Yeah, man, it, it's so much. Or do you like the bite when a little bit of the brown sugar juice from the baked beans mixes in just yeah. a little bit, just a little bit with yeah, the potato salad? I can do that. Most of the time, I, I put my baked beans in a, in a bowl separate because I don't like the leakage into. I the don't other love stuff. it, but it's not bad. But it's not, uh, yeah, it's it's a good bite. Fidia, or you, you get a little bit of potato salad on your burger when you get that bite. When a little bit gets on the bun, that we're getting the very nuanced. That's the thing I've that, ever that's heard That's a in better my life. brown sugar combo. Like stinking deviled right. eggs. Brown sugar, baby. <laughs> that's what I love. Like those stinky deviled eggs you like to eat. Dude, worst how gas. How angry People are you get fit? the worst gas it's true. off of those but things. But you're outside. Who cares? They can't smell it. Potato yeah, you salad. <laughs> I would rather eat a napkin than eat potato salad. Potato salad, first off, it smells horrible. It doesn't look good. It doesn't taste good. 
It's awful. Like, how can you eat potato salad but not a deviled egg? You know what's great, too, about potato salad, especially when you have the potato chips, ruffles or whatever. You crunkle them up a little bit, and you give that extra crunch. Oh, okay. It's, that, it's that great. I'm not you should do it. You but should do it. Whose potato salad smells horrible? I've never smelled horrible potato salad. I guess it's all in what you like. You know what it is? It's when you put some egg in it. And that thing spoils, and that's why it might smell, nah. which is the same as devil's egg. Yeah. Devil egg. If, if you were to put eggs in potato salad, it might be a little bit more excellent on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> but deviled eggs stink whether you like them or not. Yeah, it's 100% oh, Even true. if you like them, the, the, the odor is still pungent. I love them. Fiddy's top three foods on his cookout list are toaster strudel, toaster strudel. Can you imagine what his room smells like after eating a bunch of deviled egg? Fiddy. You should smell it on a normal day. I don't want it. I got a candle in there. All right. That's a. Poor candles. That's a lot. <laughs> Poor candles. <laughs> you, have, you need a lot more. It needs to look like Michael Scott proposing to Holly in the office. There needs that <laughs> many candles in your bedroom. <laughs> That'll do it for the second hour of Weston Walker. We still have one more to go. It's been a fantastic show, if I do say so myself. Let's talk a little bit more about Bryce Young. If he were to sit at the beginning of the season, then when would it be the right time to start him? We'll get to that conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.